If you have your Bibles with you, let's look at uh, a passage of Scripture from Ezekiel. Ezekiel in the Old Testament in chapter 22. And I want to read from verses 23 to 31. 23 to the end of the chapter. Ezekiel chapter 22. From verse 23 to the end of the chapter. Again the word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, say to the land, You are a land that has no rain or showers on the day of wrath. There's a conspiracy of our princess within her like a roaring lion tearing its prey. They devour people, take treasures and precious things and make many widows within her. Her priests do violence to my law and profane my holy things. They do not distinguish between the holy and the common. They teach that there is no difference between the unclean and the clean. And they shut their eyes to the keeping of my Sabbaths, so that I am profaned among them. Her officials within her are like wolves tearing their prey. They shed blood and kill people to make unjust gain. Her prophets whitewash these deeds for them by false visions and lying divinations. They say, this is what the Sovereign Lord says, when the Lord has not spoken. The people of the land practice extortion and commit robbery. They oppress the poor and needy and ill-treat the alien, denying them justice. I looked for a man among them who would build up the wall and stand before me in the gap on behalf of the land, so that I would not have to destroy it. But I found none. So I will pour out my wrath on them and consume them with my fiery anger, bringing down on their heads all they have done, declares the Sovereign Lord. Let's just bow before God in prayer. Let's all pray. Loving God, as we come to this chapter in the Bible, it's not one of the most inspiring, comforting scriptures we have in the scriptures. And yet there's something there powerful that we need to hear to each of our lives. And we pray in this Remembrance Sunday as we think of the wars and lands that are torn apart. We think of the state of Israel at that particular time of Ezekiel. And we pray, Lord, that you would just give us a word that would be of tremendous help to us individually as believers and as a fellowship. Help us to understand what you're saying to us, Lord, that we would be comforted, that we would be strengthened, that we would be victorious in our Christian walk with you. We believe, Lord, there are many things that would pull us down and hold us back in life. And we sometimes feel that drag within our spirituality. But we ask you to move us forward in the things of the Holy Spirit. That we might be on fire for you. And even through difficult times in life. So we ask Lord for a fresh understanding of your will for each of our lives. May your blessing be upon your word. And be with those in the fellowship who may be unwell at this particular time. Who may be in need of just that voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved son. Listen to him. Lord, may we hear you speak. 
into each of our hearts today and to you be the praise and to you be the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The verse I want us to think about this morning is one that's known to many of you. And you'll find it there in Ezekiel 22 and verse 30. I looked for a man among them who would build up the wall and stand before me in the gap on behalf of the land so I would not have to destroy it. But I found none. That's verse 30. No one to fill the gap. That's always representative of a desperate state of affairs. And that's how desperate things were in the time of Ezekiel. Always remember, Ezekiel was the prophet of Judah there before they went into exile. And he was the only prophet who went into exile with his people. You'll find in the book of Ezekiel at the very beginning, I sat where they sat for seven days without even uttering a word. It's remarkable this prophet Ezekiel. The most dramatic of the prophets in the Old Testament. But here we find him pronouncing this wrath, this judgment of God upon the people of God for all that they've been going through. And that's how Ezekiel felt about God's word for his people on that day. That God was looking for somebody to stand in the gap, to save the land from being destroyed. But God seemed to be saying through his prophet... I found no one. There was no one to stand in the gap. I looked for a man among them, but I found none. And when we think of the world wars, and perhaps we have read many stories about the wars, we always realise that in war stories and in war itself, a gap in the ranks is a dangerous situation to be in. Many of you will have heard of the, excava- the, uh, excavation, the evacuation of Dunkirk. Now on the 26th of May 1940, the Belgian chief of staff sent the message to Lord Gort, the British commander. What was the message that was sent from Belgium, the chief of staff? It said this, We must therefore with regret say that we have no longer any forces left to fill the gap in the direction of the Y press. But no forces left to fill the gap in the direction of the Y press. That gap was 20 miles long. It was open to the enemy to come in and slaughter the troops, the British troops and other troops that were there at that time. A gap of 20 miles that just could not be filled. And so they undertook to evacuate 300,000 troops in boats of any description across the channel. Some have called it the miracle of Dunkirk. A good number of years ago I met a man called Fred Gorsmith and he wrote a book about the miracle of Dunkirk. Seemingly the men, these fighting men, these warlike men you might say, were on their knees on the beaches, praying to God for forgiveness and giving their lives to God. 
And this minister that I met called Fred Gosmith, he actually went through a lot of the names and began to ask them, have you still got that faith that you had when you knelt on the beaches and gave your life to God? Some didn't have that faith anymore. But many did. And he wrote this book about those whose faith had continued from being on their knees on the beaches of Dunkirk. Three hundred thousand troops evacuated by every conceivable kind of boat. Whenever there's a gap, the enemy proceeds to try and bring victory on his behalf. That's the kind of thing that Satan will do in your life and mine. And as with any war, there's always the reminder of the importance of the gap that never can be filled in the homes of many people. Because a son or daughter has been lost, there's a gap in their lives as well. But let's get back here to Ezekiel 22 and verse 30. And let's ask ourselves the question, what kind of gap is God really speaking about through his servant Ezekiel? What has caused this gap there in the lives? And, and the answer to, of this passage is, it's the gap that sin makes. It's the gap through the nation's sinfulness. Sin makes a gap in the hedge of protection that God wants to bring around your life and mine. The sin of a nation. And how can we describe this spiritual gap, this sin that comes into the nation? We can do it in a summary form in this quite simple matter. Good things run out and evil things pour in. Good things run out of our lives and evil things are allowed to pour in. That was the situation in the southern kingdom of Judah before they went into exile by Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon. And God was going to bring his people through a time of bitter judgment. And here's the first point I want to make this morning. The first point is simply this, the land was defiled. The land was defiled. This privileged land had become a polluted land. And what we find here in the scriptures was it affected every class of society. We find it affected the, the princes. Look at verse 25 of Ezekiel 22. There's a conspiracy of our princes within her, like a roaring lion tearing its prey. They devour people, take treasures, precious things, and make many widows within her. It also affected her officials. Look at verse 27. Her officials within her are like wolves, tearing their prey. They shed blood and they kill people to make unjust gain. And you'll see also from the passage here, it affects the priests of these. Verse 26. Her priests do violence to my law and profane my holy things. They don't distinguish between the holy and the common. They teach there's no difference between the unclean and the clean. And they shut their eyes to the keeping of my Sabbath so that I am profaned among them. 
And we also find it affected the prophets. Look at verse 28. The prophets whitewashed their deeds to make them by false visions and lying divinations. They say, this is what the sovereign Lord says when the Lord has not spoken. And to crown it all, it affects the ordinary people in verse 29. The people of the land practice extortion, commit robbery, they oppress the poor and the needy, they mistreat the alien, denying them justice. Folks, the land was defiled. And it started at the top. And it worked its way down right to the very ordinary people of society. It affected the whole of society. From the princes, the officials, the priests, the prophets, to the ordinary people, they all became defiled and corrupt. The land was defiled. And the second point I want to make is simply this, a life was desired. Because you see there was the appearance of a gap. But in this passage we also find the importance of a man. Now we're not thinking here of a real break in a hedge or a wall. We're thinking here of the need of somebody like Moses. Somebody like Moses who would stand up and plead on behalf of the people. A real spiritual intercessor. Turn in your Bibles to Psalm 106 and 23. And we find an amazing verse regarding Moses in that scripture. It speaks also of the judgment that God was going to bring on the people of Israel. Psalm 106.23 Psalm 106.23 says this. So he said, God said he would destroy them. Had not Moses... His chosen one stood in the breach before him to keep his wrath from destroying them. Psalm 106.23 says that Moses stood in the gap. He stood in the breach. He pleaded before God and averted the wrath and the judgment of God upon his people. And it seems at the time of Ezekiel, there wasn't that great intercessor like Moses or Abraham. There was the appearance of a spiritual gap, a lack of the mighty in prayer, a lack of those with moral backbone to stand up and be counted. The appearance of the gap, but the importance of someone to stand in the gap. And I think the situation of Ezekiel speaks very powerfully to us today. How many more scandals are we going to hear about on the TV or in the newspapers before this week's out? It just seemed to be one scandal after another, one resignation after another. It just seems to be going on. And it seems to happen from the top right down to the ordinary people. The land that should have been privileged has become polluted. And I wonder if you feel that along with me about the land of Scotland. The land that was the land of the book has become a land that's been polluted by sin. And all kinds of things going on in the UK as well. But how do you stand in the gap? Where do you start spiritually? Matthew Henry was one of the great uh, commentators of the Bible of another age completely. 
But he actually says it's this. He says, I've got three solutions to this being able to stand in the gap spiritually. And he mentions repentance. And repentance in the Greek metanoia is one of those words that's a military word. It's about a right about time quick march, which is quite interesting for Remembrance Sunday. Repentance is a right about time quick march. And Matthew Hensley says, as a nation, as a people, we need to repent if we're going to be a people who stand in the gap. And he also mentions prayer. The power of prayer, the, the power of intercession to avert the wrath and the judgment of God that the nation actually deserves. And he also mentions the word reformation or revival if you like. Repentance, prayer, reformation is what Matthew Henry says. And so often when God moves in wrath or in judgment upon a nation, he allows somebody to plead that cause, to speak on behalf of the people as Moses did. Abraham tried it for Sodom and Gomorrah, but it was too late. The judgment of God came upon Sodom and Gomorrah. We're talking about situations where the spirit of prayer is non-existent or restrained. How we need those who will intercede for a nation. We want peace, don't we? But it's not peace at any price. It's not peace of a lowered moral standard. It's not the peace of complacency that kind of walks past on the other side as we find the Levite and the priest doing in the story of the Good Samaritan. It's not even peace that's the absence of war. It's a peace that comes through the presence of Jesus, the Prince of Peace. And that peace only comes through the land, through the believers in Jesus Christ, who have given their lives to him. And we need to pray today that, that God will raise up leaders in, in industry, and, or the BBC, and, and commerce. Leaders in our churches who have a high moral standard that will lead the nation forward into truth, into righteousness, into justice. We need God to raise up such leaders today that we can look to who will move us forward. Pray for the elected Archbishop of Canterbury. He comes through the tradition of the evangelicals. He was a curate in Holy Trinity Brompton. He went to the same college, Eton College, as Nicky Gumbel. They know each other really well. He knows what Alpha is all about. Pray for him. Because it says in the paper he's going to have to rethink the sexuality question and pray about that. Let's pray he doesn't change his mind about where he is. But there's a possibility we've got an evangelical who's going to be the next Archbishop of Canterbury. That is a tremendous task. Beloved, will we stand in the breach? Will we stand firm at those places where good has run out and evil has been poured in? In that place of work where you stand in the gap? In that difficult home or, or work situation where you hold on to your integrity? In this church where you stand in the breach where you see others perhaps going offline spiritually? Instead of criticising, will you get on your knees before God on their behalf? 
And will you see unfaithfulness in marriage plastered across the TV screen or the silver screen? Will you stand in the gap for stronger Christian marriages? The land was defiled. A life was desired. Here's my final point. The Lord was distraught. You'll see it there in verse 31. So I will pour out my wrath on them and consume them with my fiery anger, bringing down on their own heads all they have done, declares the sovereign Lord. You see, some people have a difficulty in coping with a God of love who speaks about his wrath and his judgment. They think it's a contradiction in terms. But what we have to remember is that, that God's love never cancels out his justice. And his justice demands punishment for sin. It demands it. That God would not be true to his character if he didn't punish any sin. If he cancelled out his justice. That if there's no chastisement, there's no loving father. Because the Bible clearly tells us that whom a father loves, he chastises. And the same is true of our loving Heavenly Father. In fact, in the book of Revelation chapter 16, there are seven bowls of God's wrath that he's going to pour out upon the earth. And it says in Revelation 16 and verse 5, that the Lord will not be accused of injustice. Instead, the angels will say, it says in Revelation 16:5, you are just in your judgments, you who are and were the Holy One. No one at the end of the time when it comes to the wrath and the judgment of God, no one will accuse God of being unjust. But you know this, God has already poured out his wrath, hasn't he? But it hasn't been poured out on us, but on his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, on Calvary's cross. Instead of that wrath being poured upon us, instead of that penalty coming our way, it came his way. That he bore on his body, on that accursed tree, our sin, your sin and mine. Yes, there is somebody that has stood in the breach. There is someone who has stood in the gap and stayed the hand of God's wrath, but not without a cost to himself, the cost of paying the penalty of death. When God let his son die on the cross of Calvary, it was like averting a, a dangerous dam of wrath. Averting that dam from us. And it taking it upon himself. Taking the full force of it. And those who believe in Jesus Christ, here's the good news. There is no condemnation to those who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the wonderful hope that we want to declare today. This is a message of a tremendous hope. This is a message of astounding love. You don't need to be given over to evil. You don't need to let those wicked thoughts torment your mind. Somebody stood in the breach and has contended with the forces of darkness and set us free from such evil powers. But that can only be true in the lives of those who believe. 
It can only be true when we apply by faith what Christ has done by standing in our place, as the old hymn has it, bearing shame and scoffing rude. In my place condemned he stood, sealed my pardon with his blood. Hallelujah! What a saviour! Lifted up was he to die, it is finished was his cry. Now in heaven exalted high, hallelujah, what a saviour. I looked for a man among them who would build up the wall and stand before me in the gap. On behalf of the land, so I would not have to destroy it, but I found none. The land was defiled. This privileged land became a polluted land. A life was desired. There was the appearance of a gap. But there was the importance of a man to stand in the gap. The Lord was distraught, yes. And that wrath did come. The Babylonians took over, took the people away into exile. His wrath was poured out on Jesus on the cross. And that wrath and that judgment will come at the end of time. It will surely come. But we don't have to be caught up in it, do we? We don't have to be caught. We are covered by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. The angel of death and destruction will pass over on that day of judgment. For he has brought hope to my life. He's brought hope to your life. He has cast our sin, as we said, to the children in the sea of his forgetfulness. Hallelujah! What a saviour! And on this Remembrance Sunday, when we remember the gap in many homes of people, of young people who have died, who have been shot and been killed in Afghanistan and other places, we also remember the spiritual gap that sin has made and allowed to happen in our lives. The good has flowed out and the evil has been allowed to pour in and God is looking for men and women who will intercede for the nation who will stand up as an example to others and as faithful servants pass on into glory he calls others to take their place in Christian service may he never say of us I looked but I found no one. May he never say that of us. I don't know how many of you have been in the London Underground. You don't want to have claustrophobia at rush hour and go into the London Underground. You don't want to be faint-hearted at rush hour in the London Underground. But if you actually get there to the London Underground and you use it at all as we did for four years we were down there, uh, at certain stations what do you find an announcement comes through mind the gap mind the gap and perhaps that's a word that the Lord wants to bring to your life and to mine mind the gap that makes you vulnerable to the evil that gets poured in mind the gap that sin makes in your life and mine for all of us, there's a cry that goes out today for a, an army, quite unlike the army in Afghanistan. An army of intercessors. 
who will cry out to God for the nation. A Moses of whom it said in that Psalm 106, 23, So he, God, said he would destroy them. Had not Moses, his chosen one, stood in the breach before him to keep his wrath from destroying them? We need to ask God for a modern Abraham who will plead for a Sodom and Gomorrah. We need to ask God for a modern Moses who will stand in the breach. Oswald Chambers said this about intercession, that Jesus carries our intercessions in heaven. The Holy Spirit carries our intercessions within us on earth. And we the saints have to carry on intercession for all men. The storm was raging and the ship was taking in a lot of water. And the captain said, suddenly called out to the men in the ship, does anybody know here how to pray? And a man stepped forward and says, yes, captain, I know how to pray. Good, said the captain. You pray and the rest of us will put on the jackets. We're one short. You pray. And the rest of us will put on the life jackets. But one shot. We need somebody to pray. Maybe that's what God is saying to each one of us today. Mind the gap. The chink in the armour. That the enemy will use to destroy any good that's come into our lives. The good has poured out. The evil has been poured in. And God is looking for a man or a woman. To stand in the gap so he might not destroy a nation, but will cause a nation to be revived by the power of the Spirit. Is that person you? Is that person me? Being called to stand in the gap as intercessors for our nation. Let's pray. Lord, we just want to thank you for your word to us today, for this message of tremendous hope. An astounding love that the wrath that should have been ours has been poured out in Jesus on Calvary. And we thank you, Lord, that that evil need not be poured into our lives, into our minds, that the good should remain there. Help us to be an example to others of integrity, of Christian love, of Christian character in Jesus Christ. Help us, Lord, to be faithful to you wherever we find ourselves. Because we pray this in your powerful name and for your sake. Amen.